yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag Hurling to the Core. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent.ie GAA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined for our All-Ireland Hurling Final Preview by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going, Will? I'm doing very well. It's All-Ireland Hurling final week. Uh, the build-up is kind of really uh, kicking into gear now. We have a great show today. Joe Canning, the recently retired Joe Canning, will be joining us on part two to discuss the final, of course, but also maybe a bit about his decision and, and, and his great career. We're going to have John Myler, former Cork manager and former Limerick All-Star Andrew O'Shocknessy on now in a few minutes now to discuss the game as well. So it's an action-packed show. The excitement is building. Big time, yeah. I think um, people are only calming down after last weekend. The it's it's all it's we've been used to like a Mayo hangover after big games, but I don't know what the opposite of that is exactly. But it's just carried over for the last three or four it's days. It's called a rollover, Michael. You well, know, for us yeah. drinkers out there, I know you're. No, you're yeah. I, I've no idea, and I don't know anything about day <laughs> sessions after or anything like that. So I must put my hands up. But between the weekend that we had between Mayo and Offaly, and then even the Need Ladies comeback, it was an outrageous weekend. Uh, good to have Andrew on. I haven't I haven't chatted Andrew since. I basically held his jersey for 70 minutes in a qualifier down in the Gaelic grounds when we beat them, one of the, one of the best hours we ever had for Offaly. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. Like, even though Limerick are coming in as big favourites in the bookies, I'm still getting a sense that a lot of people think it's closer than the bookies have it anyway. Like, there's a lot people I've talked to who are even reading the coverage. There does seem to be a lot more excitement than maybe the bookies would, uh, would give a credit for. Yeah, I, all year, uh, as Cork have been developing... Uh, if I was in any of the counties that they were playing, and even Sunday, if I was a Limerick man, there's that fear that things are just coming right for them, that there's just something brewing between all the underage success. Um, you know, they're going to, they're contesting, you know, a load of all Ireland's over the next, you know, couple of weeks. Uh, I just think there's something brewing, and there's there'd be a fear if I was from Limerick that that Cork could just hit top gear on Sunday, and with all with all the youth that they have that they could just explode on the scene. Something similar to what Limerick did in the 2018 All-Ireland to announce their place at the top table. 
Well, now it's time for part one of our All-Ireland Hurling final preview. We're delighted to have ex-Cork manager John Myler with us, as well as former Limerick author Andrew O'Shaughnessy. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Morning, Will. Morning, Will. Nice to be here. Yeah, no, great to have you. Really looking forward to our chat. And Andrew, we might go to you first, considering Limerick are coming into the game as favourites. Uh, I know John probably is hopeful that won't turn out to be the case at the end of the game. But, you know, what is the confidence levels like? You know, Limerick have been so impressive in this year's championship. They're going in as quite strong favourites. Now, Cork have played them quite well over the last number of years. But what's your feeling going into Sunday? Uh, they're rightly so going to form their favourites because they have been performing well all year. Um, but any time we play Cork, it's Cork are the one team that don't fear Limerick. They have performed extremely well. Even go back to the championship match this day, this this year, Cork had a penalty to go five points up. So that's, if that penalty goes in, change the whole game. So I get the understanding where the bookies are coming from, the firm favourites, but it has, that has to be taken in context as well. Cork aren't that far behind Limerick and they're probably coming into the game exactly where you want it. No one expecting them to, to win. So that's given them ample motivation, ample opportunity. So it's going to line up for a cracker of a game. Yeah, John, what is the move down in Cork? You know, usually when Cork are in a final, they'd be quite bullish about their chances, you know, but given the opposition, what's, what's the feelings there? I think it's very quiet down here. It's very calm. Um, and it's typical Cork of, you know, the old... The old Cork really of before when Cork were in All Ireland final, um, they would always be favourites. And you know, as Andrew said there about the bookies like Limerick two to seven and and Cork ten to three, um, I'm actually quite surprised with that because, unlike Andrew, I don't think Limerick have really played this year as well as they can. Um, in a lot of the matches, um, this year that they have stuttered, you know, to give a seventy minute performance, um, you know, in the Cork and Limerick match, I think Cork. Bar the two goals just before half time, um, Cork were well in the game, and I think you know coming up with ten minutes to go, Cork really should have pushed it on, and they didn't. Um, you know they were four points down at a later stage in the game, should have pushed on, didn't really. I think Cork have improved. You know the Munster final, looking at Limerick, you know they played for the second half, not the first half. Um, you know, and in the game against Waterford as well, the first quarter. Even though Waterford had played well, Limerick were still a point up. So I, I think Limerick have been a small bit iffy this year. Cork have just quietly gone about their business and they have a new style, a new style, a new freshness, and certainly won't fear uh, Limerick. And Crow Park will suit this kind of running, mobile, athletic Cork team. Yeah, Michael, for you, like, what, what, what are you looking out for going into this Sunday? Like, what, what is, what's the key talking point for you, or what, what do you think will decide it? Oh, there's multiple talking points, but I do think it's interesting. I think it's kind of like a role reversal from the 2018 final where Limerick came in against an experienced Galway side. Limerick were underdogs coming into that game. Maybe not as much talk about Limerick, all about uh, you know who is going to be able to stop Galway. Uh, Limerick were heavy enough underdogs going into that game. It's a role reversal this time around. Cork are underdogs and they're the ones trying to take down kind of the Limerick uh, juggernaut. And it's interesting. I do echo what John said there. I don't think Limerick have been particularly impressive this year. Probably the first half against Cork in the league, uh, probably that 20-minute spell against Tipperary. And uh, a consistent enough performance outside of the first quarter in the, in the game against Waterford. So I don't think they've probably... Uh, hit the heights that they'd want to. Now, they are getting better with every game, which which is huge for them. Uh, Cork are also improving with every game. Like I think that, that Clare game was a massive game. And just that save from Patrick Collins to deny Tony Kelly has just 
you know, opened up this springboard for their season. They go in, as, as John said there, it is low-key enough. Uh, and I think that's a perfect situation for Cork to be in. Uh, less chance of maybe some of their younger players getting overall. I think it's only... It's only Patrick Corrigan and Seamus Harnady really that, that, that were playing in 2013. So, like, you can say that's inexperience. You can also say that's uh, a lot of young guys with uh, probably bad uh, recent memories of All-Ireland Finals are under 20 and under 21 that want to rectify that. So I think they'll come in uh, playing maybe with, with a bit of youthful abandon, which is, uh, which is all, always a dangerous thing. And Limerick are coming in. They're old hands at this stage, despite, like, you know, up until three years ago, they hadn't been in an All Ireland final. So I just think that that kind of blend of the the youthful abandon coming in against the older kind of uh, more experienced hands is going to be really interesting. But there, there's battles all over the pitch that are just going to be really intriguing. And I suppose one of the big things for me is uh, Cork's pace and will they get to actually you know show their pace? They maybe didn't get to open up as much against Limerick in that first game as they would like. I think their game is even a bit more exaggerated now since then. I think they've learned a lot since then. And it's just a matter of whether they can actually use that pace and get to actually show the pace against Limerick, who tend to bottle up teams. Like, look at Jamie Barron, the last day, one of the fastest players in the game, just bottled up by, by Limerick in that middle sector. And it's going to be interesting to see whether the likes of Robbie O'Flynn and uh, probably Conor Callan and a few other guys there in the middle are going to really get to open up. I think that's the, that's the really interesting thing. Who will get to play the game on their own terms? Mm. Yeah, a few interesting talking points you touched on there. But Andrew, to bring you in on one of them, you know, John and Michael both mentioned that they don't think Limerick could maybe deliver that 70-minute performance or have hit the, the top gear yet. Because John Kiley said after the semi-final performance, what impressed him most is the incremental improvements he feels they've made game to game. Like, do you think that 70-minute performance could be coming this weekend? Or are you slightly concerned to take the lads' point that they maybe haven't delivered that just yet? Yeah, I agree. John said it, the word he said stuttered, and that's the exact way to describe Limerick throughout the championship. They haven't put in a full performance throughout 70 minutes. They're, they're kind of stuttering through, but what John Coyley said, incrementally, they have been improving. And to be honest, like if any team hurls to the best of their potential for 55, 60 minutes, you're going to win a game. So while they haven't hurled a full match, if I prefer to see them hurling a bit more for a longer period of time, um, but again, you have to be aware of Cork's the danger they pose, the pace to have, to have this youthful abandon, abandon, which was referred to already. Similar enough to '99 when they went against Kenny, they say youthful team, and people look at it two ways: oh, they're inexperienced, haven't been in Ireland final before, but then also they shouldn't have any fear thing because like youth is a great lever. Like the, when you're young, you don't fear anything, you don't think of the consequences. So it all depends what side of the fence you're sitting on. So if you're from a Cork perspective. Youthful abandonment, excellent. They'll come, they want to fear it, and they'll really run this team. And they have extreme pace in that from the whole team, not just the forwards, extreme pace. And with any team, whether it's Limerick or Cork, if you run a team at pace, it's very hard to counteract. So it'll be interesting again. Yeah, pace is certainly one of the big talking points going into the game. Another talking point, John, is Cork's selection dilemma, especially in the forward line. The, the, the replacements made such a big impact in the semi final. Obviously, you've been on the line for Cork in very recent years. You know, what would you do? Would you would you start Shane Kingston? Would you start Alan Cadigan? Or would you keep them in reserve once again and hope they make a big impact? I, uh, no, I think you've got to go now with your strongest team and um, you need to start Shane Kingston. Um, there's no point bringing them on if you're two, four, six, eight points down at a particular point in the game. I think you need to start your strongest team and, um, and then bring in subs accordingly. Um, but just going back on 
on the point there. The game now is, 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 has been different this year over the last few years. The game is now divided up into four quarters. So there, there's one key element here. If you can dominate one of those four quarters, you know, if, if you could get six or eight points up on the opposition, I think it's critical. So I think Cork need to really start with their with their strongest team possible. And that means like they're down Mellerick out of the back. So I expect Owen Cadigan to start instead of Mellerick. I expect Shane Kingston to start instead of Shane Barrett. You know, there's always a fitness query about Alan Cadigan, um, about whether he lasts the pace or not. So maybe that Alan is probably better coming off the bench. You'll have Barrett to come off the bench. You'll have Connolly to come off the bench. And I think that will be key. But the game is now will divided into four quarters. And, you know, a lot of the quarters, and we saw that with the football last Sunday, a lot of the quarters are even. But there's one quarter maybe where you or the opposition can really, really get on top. And that is the difference. Um, and I think Cork need to start with Shane playing. They need to start with Owen Cadigan playing. And that's really it. And get the advantage up and then bring in yourselves because you can't wait. Um, you can't wait for the game to be over to introduce subs. I think the big thing on that is, Will, is like if Shane Barrett drops to the bench, like Shane Barrett's been brilliant coming off the bench. I think he's 1-4 or 1-5 in this year's championship. They still have Alan Connolly. They still have... Uh, they still have uh, Cadigan to come in they still have probably Damien Callan to come in in defence as well they still have plenty of options if Shane Kingston starts and I kind of would, would agree with John even if even if uh, Kingston isn't the one to you know light it up maybe he's not probably not going to get seven from play if he starts in an All-Ireland final but if he gets two or three and tires a Limerick defender for somebody else to come in with 10 or 15 to go and finish the job that he started. I think that's mission accomplished. And they do have they do have a bench like they have a load of guys that can come in in various positions there. So I don't think it's just about Shane Kingston or anyone else. I think there's loads of options there for them to come in and finish off the game. But as John said, they have to be in the position to finish off the game or to go and win the game. Mm. You, can't, you can't wait for the game, and you know what I mean. You're this is this is the last game of the year. Well, you cannot wait. And, and Michael is right. If it takes two players. Uh, for one position, then great. Um, but if you get Caddy or uh, Shane got seven points the last day, uh, Barrett was taken off. I think he had a point, so you got eight points from that one position. So I think it's critical on on you know who are your five subs, who are you going to bring in, um, and who's going to make an impact. Um, but you need to be ahead, you know. And we saw that with Dublin and Mayo last Saturday. Yeah, it's certainly one of the big talking points, the use of the bench. And Andrew, uh, John mentioned there, that, you know, how it's been broken into quarters now. And Limerick are a team that usually use those water breaks very wisely. Paul Knurks out with the tactics board. It's not just a bit of water they're trying around there. They're really getting into the weeds on, on their game plan. Like, how important do you think that has been for the team and using that break wisely? It's vitally important for any, any team to use the water breaks because, again, very rare, there's very little water being taken on board. It's just really key messages and it's just a reminder. They can't say that much because it's only a short period of time. It's just the coaches, Paul Knurk or whoever it is coming in, just giving your key points and saying, remember this, let's go back to this. And going back to the semi-final against Waterford. So after the first quarter, I thought Waterford were absolutely superb. They did everything you want against the Limerick team. But there were still four points to three. So as John said, you'll get on top in one quarter maybe. But you have to make it count. So no point like Waterford being on top and being a point down. If you're on top, you want to have a six, seven, eight point lead and hold on to that and add on to it. So again, quarters are vitally important. Maybe more so the third quarter because if a team can make a push, if Cork or Limit can make a push, can put a bit of distance between the opposition in the third quarter, 
you're setting yourself up for the last quarter to push on and hold on to that victory. John, can I just ask you from a manager's point of view, Limerick have gotten a run uh, in nearly every game at the last two years since the quarters were introduced, I would say. They've gotten a run in one of the quarters. As a manager, when you see like, you know, Hegarty knocking over a pint and maybe two other Limerick points go over and you can kind of feel the, the tide turning in that quarter, is there anything in particular that as a manager you would do to try and kind of stem that blood loss or make sure that, I suppose, make sure that the damage is not too bad that you're going to be out of the game by the end of that quarter? Look, I, I was caught in 2018 with eight minutes to go, being up six points. Jesus, I'm the wrong fellow to ask. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know who set you up with that question. I wasn't, no, I wasn't trying to land you in it or like that. It's just like, if you could go back, if you could go back, is there anything maybe that you would yeah, try I, and do to stop I, the momentum? Yeah, yeah. You, you try and do everything, you know, you try and pull back your forwards and you and you try and go defensive and, 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 and you try become, you probably become more cautious and more fearful in a way. But, mm. but I think the key to, the key to that whole thing, Michael, is, um, is, is Keen Lynch. I think that Cork really need to close down Keane Lynch because Keane Lynch is the conductor of the orchestra in, in, in the half forward line around midfield and he makes Hegarty and all these guys tick. So, you know, you won't see him getting 2-5 or 1-6 or something like that, but you will see him with little flicks, hooks, blocks, you know, 20-yard passes and that, and he's conducting all of that and is trying to close down that middle and then to stop Kyle Hayes come driving forward. Kyle Hayes is a huge issue driving forward and Cork will really need to stop that. So, you know, if, if Jesus, if I was back in that position of 2018 again, yeah, I'd have brought on Connor Sull as a sweeper. Yes, you'd have done this, done this, but Limerick could have done something else. Like, and, you know, same with Tipperary and Limerick in the Munster final. What did we do wrong? Like, why didn't we do this? You know what I mean? But yeah, just, and it, 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 it flies past you, Michael, in five minutes and the game is over and say, why didn't we do A, B and C? But I think Cork, you know, from the minute the ball is thrown in, that, that Cork need to outwork Limerick every, in all over the place, every position on the field. And if Cork outworked them, and, and that's going to be difficult now with, with Hegarty, with, um, with Kyle Hayes, with Key and Lynch, with those guys, if Cork outworked them, they'll be there. I've no doubt, because I thought... Cork really blew Kilkenny off the field in the extra time for, for fitness levels. Like that, that, their power was, was incredible. Their athleticism was incredible. So it's going to come down, down to that. Can I just ask you, John, as well, uh, you mentioned about Jerem Elric been out and you also mentioned there how important Keane Lynch is. Uh, Mark Coleman kind of picked up Lynch in the Munster semi-final when he was playing centre-forward, but when he drifted out, Melleric kind of picked him up. Who do you expect? Do you expect the designated man-marker to follow him everywhere, or do you expect uh, Coleman to follow him when he's in that centre-forward position, and again, a midfielder to drop back and pick him up when he drifts out? Well, in, in, in my time, we were, Lynch was midfield, and they would have had Bill Cooper to mark him. Um, but I think Cork will drop back a midfielder to mark him. I don't think Coleman is not a man marker. Coleman is a loose, like sweeper, number six player, so, you know, between number yeah. three and number six. And I think Coleman will, will float there. I think somebody else will, will, will pick up Lynch. I, I, I would certainly pick up Lynch, and even if I didn't puck a ball, I'd be happy with that. I think he needs to be closed down because they they play it through him and they play a little pop 20, 30 yard passes and then he, he plays the pop out passes then to the rest planning and those kind of guys. So um, that would be my reading of it. Um, that whole midfield area. And as you said earlier about 
you know, Jamie Barron, probably one of the best players of the year so far, intent was closed down against Limerick in the semi final. So uh, Limerick won't want Fitzy and those guys coming through. Connor Catalan won't want those guys coming through with pace, um, you know, and just popping off balls to Hoggy and those inside. So, look, it, it, it'll be fascinating there in the middle, but, um, you know, um, I would certainly be talking to Keane Lynch fairly closely anyway, you know. <laughs> Good man, talking to him is probably a nice way of putting it, I'd say, yeah. It's, it's and uh, Andrew, I suppose, you know, you mentioned earlier how pace could be one way Cork will look to go at Limerick, but, but where do you see Limerick having the advantage on Sunday? What what areas do you think they have the capability of getting on top and possibly being the key to a win? Uh, if the ball breaks and it's into ruck situations around the middle third, and if Cork try to take Limerick on in there, try to contest it, middle third, make it scrappy and tough, I think Cork will struggle. It's very hard, so... Limerick are a physical team. Naturally, they're big, they're strong, and that's their main. They can hurl. There's no question they can hurl. But where they kind of outwork teams in the close environment, their short passing, 5, 10, 15 yard passing works. But if you try to take them on at their strength, I don't think so. I think Cork should just stick to what they're excellent at pace, balls up the wing, run fast. Tim O'Mahony will offer and same trade as Kyle Hayes going forward. That's the exact same position they're playing. So two half. Backs, or sorry, half backs, two half backs going forward at pace. That'll create the space up for Cork if Tim Mahoney's going forward because then you have Luke Mead bombing in from midfield and Darryl Fitz, needless to say, Robbie Flynn, Connor Callahan, all at pace and Seamus Harden, all at pace. So for Cork to get the advantage, they need to attack Limerick at pace. Obviously, I hope they don't, but that's the whole key to the middle third. So to stop Cork at pace, you have to stop him from the, the original run so if you get if they get up ahead of steam there's no stopping that you're just hoping for a last-ish tackle and that's what you want to avoid from a Limerick perspective hmm. and Andrew have you been impressed with how Limerick I suppose have gone about their business in the sense that in 2019 they're obviously caught by Kilkenny in that semi-final they're going for back-to-back for the first time in the county's history which brings its own bit of pressure but they don't seem to be getting ca- carried away this time or, or caught up in that kind of hype in any way they seem to be going about their business and you know, they are favourites to begin. They might win, they might lose, but it doesn't seem to be maybe hype that will derail them or a bit of complacency. Yeah, no, you're, I'm extremely proud of this team. There's nothing but pride and admiration for them, the way they conduct their business. Because I see, if you see any interviews they do, they all give separate interviews. They all talk off the cuff, but they don't say the same thing, but it all comes back to the same theme. So whether that's John Kiley, Paul Knark, Carolyn Currid, or anyone else involved, they have this team fine-tuned. And they seem... Unlike for inter-county teams, they actually seem to be enjoying themselves, which is a rare thing, because very rare you go to, when you start under fives and sixes, you say, go out and enjoy yourself. But you don't say it inter-county senior because it's about winning. But there's enjoyment. If you go about trying to enjoy the game, invariably, you'll have the results. And that seems to be the case with Limerick. So we'll hope for plenty more, because again, these things are to go, go down the cycles. And this is a never seen before time period of time for Limerick Hurland. So... Obviously, enough, I want to continue as long as possible, but equally enough, it could be gone, to, gone at the weekend and we might be back here for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. And John, you, you mentioned 2018 earlier and how Limerick got the run on that Cork team and ultimately won an extra time. As is the flip side happened against Kenny and that Cork were able to come back an extra time. Like, How important do you think that could be for the development of this team, the momentum they could generate from this time, losing the lead, but being able to get over the line? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Kilkenny game has given Cork huge belief uh, huge belief in themselves and huge belief in finishing out games like that the old Cork in the 60s, the 70s would have done. 
Um, and I think these young fellas, Tim and those, Noel O'Leary, Conor Cahillan, you know, they, they have no baggage whatsoever. And they're coming into this fresh. They're coming in like the Jimmy's team in 99. So they're all fresh. And I think, you know, huge momentum and, and that. And uh, they'll bring that to the table. So it's just getting out there now and playing at half three on Sunday. And that's the key thing to them. But they'll have learned an awful lot. And also getting over the clear game, um, you know, is another kind of, you know, 2013 monkey off their back kind of thing. And, you know, beating Kilkenny, as I said, there an extra time. And even though, like, they messed it up there with the goal in the last few minutes and Hoggy missed the 65 to go four up. Um, you know, so that will give them huge energy, huge confidence and a freshness. And um, they'll bring that to the table now on Sunday. Yeah, Michael, because I was at Cork's first win in Croke Park since 2013 in a championship game. Like, how big is that to get, as John said, that monkey off your back? I think it's huge. Um, and if you're going to win, it's so much better to win rather than falling over the line, even if they'd fallen over the line by a pint in normal time. To win uh, convincingly, I would say, in extra time is huge, having made a load of mistakes. And I think Jeremy O'Sullivan was talking after about how, you know, uh, Tim O'Mahony was probably soloing out with that ball at the end and maybe looking for the final whistle. Um, how he was over that mistake the second, you know, second to go into the dressing room, and he was like his old self when extra time started, and that's a great, great sign of a side, a great sign of a man in him that that type of a thing didn't phase him because it probably would have crippled other players and some other teams. So I think, I think that'll be huge. I think there could be kind of a release valve of any pressure maybe that was on them is gone now. Uh, I don't like ever like the the idea of like bonus territory or anything like that, but they are coming in to this game in a perfect uh, perfect situation. Confidence has to be an all-time high for this for this squad anyway. And uh, I think they'll I think they'll feel that they have the tools to take down Limerick if things click. Uh, there were there were stages of that Munster semi-final where it did click and they looked very dangerous. And even I was just looking back at it even last night, you know, people would say that you know Cork need to go short against Limerick and work the ball. A lot of the time they went long, particularly in the latter stages, and we're getting a good bit of joy long. Not necessarily putting it down on top of two lads, but maybe putting the ball into space and creating a bit of space. So something Andrew said there as well, I think is key. Cork can't, I don't think Cork can beat Limerick the way Waterford tried to beat them by almost, you know, physically trying to overcome them and fight fire with fire. They need to play around them. They need to stick to their, uh, stick to their game plan. And even if, they're frazzled at different stages on Sunday. They need to stick to what they're doing. And I think it's been honed more and more as every game has come on. And yeah, I, th- I think um, I think Carver are coming, coming in in a great position, I have to say. Uh, it's time to get predictions now. I might go to you, Andrew, first. Limerick or Cork, who do you fancy? I'd be biased. I go Limerick by three. John? I think Cork by three. Um yeah. So I guess I, I, th- I think it was always going to come from Michael for the decisive casting vote, uh, given our, our two guests. So Michael, you have the last word then. I was, I was going down through all the matchups in my head, and like uh, I just it was advantage Limerick in probably ten to eleven of the matchups when I when I looked at it on paper, and like that could totally change. I probably would have said the same I'm going into it on paper, Michael. Well, that's true. That's true, John. Yeah, hurling is not hurling is not played on paper. I'm played on paper, but I just I just do think. Uh, I do think an awful lot has to go right for Cork for them for them to win the game, and I think I think it's going to have to be an underperformance from Limerick. Something maybe like they're going to have to not to the extent that Galway did in twenty eighteen, but it's going to have to be probably something we haven't really seen from Limerick so far. And again, Cork are going to have to raise their game a couple of levels. So it'd be uh, Limerick by four or five in the wind up. But I do expect it to be tight, 
uh, up until the hour mark. One thing I will say as well is Limerick's bench, uh, don't be, uh, you know, fooled maybe. I don't think Limerick's bench is as strong as it has been in other years. And I think, I'd actually think Peter Casey been available for the final tips the balance because that would have caused Limerick all sorts of other conundrums and questions with who was going to come in for him and then potentially who was going to be the first forward so been. So I think his availability is huge and I think, I think that'll probably just swing it in the wind-up. But yeah, but it's Limerick by four or five for me. Well, it certainly set up to be an exciting weekend and a great game for the moment. John, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Michael. Well, we're delighted to be joined for part two of our All-Ireland Hurling final preview by the recently retired Galway star, Joe Canning. Joe, how are you? Yeah, good now, Will. Good. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, I suppose it's probably been a, a crazy few weeks for you on Ireland Hurling final time. You're, you're probably usually hoping to be involved in the game, but now those days are over for, for, for you now. Has it been a strange couple of weeks now, kind of after the, the, your announcement? Uh, no, not really. It's it's still the same as ever. Still people looking for tickets for an All-Ireland final. I think you can uh, have them on tap or something anyway. But um, yeah, there's still loads of people in, in Galway and I'm living in Limerick. So uh, all, all Limerick friends are looking for tickets at the moment. Yeah, I, 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 people were coming up you know, in the streets asking, begging you to reconsider your decision or, or have they left you alone? <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. I've I've kept pretty pretty quiet um, in the last few weeks and stuff like that. So no, no, nobody really coming up to the street. Yeah, and what what's it like for you when an All Ireland final is in you know thick of it and when Galway aren't involved? Do you like the build up? Do you watch the games? Do you like getting involved in it, or do you, or do you when your hurling season is over? Do you do you like turn things off and you don't really like watching games when you're not really involved in them? Um. Yeah, it's a bit of a mix of both, really. It, it depends on my mood <laughs> more so than anything. I'm not too bothered. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to the match or anything this weekend. Um. So yeah, I don't really have much of an interest in in going to these kind of matches unless maybe Galway are involved or something like that, or or somebody I know or a friend is involved. Um. I wouldn't have much interest in going to them to be honest. Mm. So in terms of Limerick versus Cork this weekend, you know, what, what, are you surprised this is the final matchup? Obviously, Limerick would have been favourites going in, but from a Cork perspective, are you surprised this is the final two teams we've arrived at? Uh, I am and I haven't. Um, to be honest, they're there on merit, both teams. Um, to, to I kind of fancy Kilkenny coming into the to the semi-final. I thought it might be a year too soon for Cork. Um, but they're there 100% on merit. They, they played very well, obviously, in the semi-final. And... Um, they done very well to get there, so you know they've, they've. There's no real pressure on them coming into the final compared to. I think all the pressure is on Limerick, um, coming into the final. So you know Cork have a, a shot at nothing really, and um, can go all out of it. Just a word on on Limerick, Joe. Uh, what what's it like coming up against them? They're obviously the standard bearers now. You played against them last year, obviously in the All Ireland semi final before you had to go off. Uh, what sort of challenges, I suppose, even physically in particular, do they do they present to to opposition teams? Yeah, um, I suppose they hunt in packs, really. Like, you know, they bring out their half-forward line out the field. Um, they don't really uh, worry too much about, like, they leave a lot of space in their full forward line. So um, there's a lot of bodies, I suppose, in around the, the middle third uh, area. And um, when there's a lot of bodies there, it's hard to kind of win possession and get clean possession and, and clean ball into your full forward line at the opposite, opposite end. So... Um, but they're playing the system for five, six, five or six years now at this stage. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if like it's it's all it's second nature to them, and they haven't even through personnel over the last 
three, four years, not much has changed in their team. Um, maybe one or two in different positions, but um, they they haven't changed their game plan too much. I think over the last number of years, and and it's worked for them. And um, yeah, it, it is a it is physical, but at the same time, I think you have to move fast and not look for that physicality. I think some teams. You always see now they, they look for physicality more so than trying to avoid it. And um, if you can avoid getting into them and move the ball as fast as possible, you know, it, it could help you a lot. Is that what you expect Cork to do uh, on Sunday? Like Cork don't have, would say, the same kind of size profile maybe as a Waterford who tried to, they tried to probably hop off Limerick in the early stages and fight fire with fire. Whereas Cork have kind of livelier, kind of riskier players. Do you expect them to try and like move around Limerick rather than engaging with them? Yeah, well, I, I don't think they, they'll want to. I don't think they... Um, even Kilkenny, like Kilkenny would be a physical team as well. And, and Cork tried to run at them and run around them more so than run through them. So um, definitely, I think it's 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 more suited to Cork if there's less physicality in it and you can hurl away. And um, I don't think they'll be looking to match up uh, physically with them as much, but then Limerick will be looking to try and match up physically with Cork, I think, and, and get on top of them, you know? And you obviously played Limerick in their first All-Ireland final victory in 2018. You know, how, how different are they, not even in terms of how they're playing, but in terms of how well they're playing or how well drilled they are or how much they've honed this system between 2018 and now? Do you see them as a much better team like going into Sunday than they were when you played them in 2018? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. They're like, as I said, they're playing the system for a long time now, and and they can tweak it um, depending on who they're playing as well. And um, as I said, they've made some positional switches, but the personnel are still much the same. And they're um, they're probably at an age profile now where they're in their physically, they're in their probably pumped. You know what I mean? Um, so for sure, I think um, they're a way better team than what they were in twenty eighteen against us. Yeah. Can I ask you, Joe, um, how, you know, I mentioned about how physically demanding the game is, and you mentioned about how little time you have on the ball. How frustrating is that as a, as a player, like particularly around the half hour in like midfield, even just looking at like Jamie Barron, the last day, one of the best players in the country, just denied the ball almost and denied space. How difficult is that when you're on the pitch? They just, they don't seem to give you uh, the space and time to work within. Yeah, it is difficult, but it you have to you have to um, work within the confines, and you have to just kind of uh, rely on your your teammates as well to make that space for you. You know, um, it's not just it's not just one or two guys kind of doing their own thing. It has to be collective. Um, so, like you can you can try like possession is a huge part of the game now, and I think a lot of people it's it's nine tenths of the law now, and if you like get a ball and hit it as quickly as possible without looking into your full forward line. And it's, it's, it's uh, cut out by a cornerback or fullback. It's not the thing to do in a way, which in fact, sometimes all you need is maybe one ball hit really quick. And, and you have the, the likes of Pat Horgan that can just, you know, turn really quick and, and it could be a score straight away. So I think for Cork, they'll have to move the ball a lot quicker out of that middle third area um, than they've done before and, and that's one way of, of trying to bypass that kind of battleground I suppose in, in the middle third. And Joe in terms of like you know these two teams getting to this stage of the year after the kind of 
disjointed and disruption there has been earlier in the season, similarly in 2020. Like, how difficult has that been for intercounty players, you know, for yourself, for your teammates, and for other teams? Do you think has it been massively difficult to kind of keep the same standards you might have had in, in the pre-COVID years where there wasn't as much disruption? Um, I, th- I think it's fairly okay. Like, it's you know, what's what's really different is you don't talk out in the dressing room, I suppose. Um, tug out in the stand stuff like that you don't travel on a bus to a match um, you don't stay away for training weekends in a hotel or stuff like that that probably is adds to a little bit more um, closeness within the group um, that's probably the biggest couple of things but um, training wise and stuff like that I don't think there's much difference Um you still train the same amount of times as you as you used to before COVID. So um, obviously it stopped for a while collectively until we were allowed back. But um, it's probably a help for a lot of players that uh, you don't get flogged for a good few months early on in the year and, and before you play any matches. So it's probably a help more so than Anton in that sense, you know. Can I just ask you, Joe, over the last couple of weeks, have you gotten a chance to look back on your own career much? Have you talked back on much things yet? Or No, 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 no. I'm uh, too busy back with the club. Um, training more with the club now than I nearly did with the county. So, um, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, it was funny, like the Friday evening uh, after we got beaten by Waterford, I was going out training and I was at home and mum and dad were like, oh, enjoy your retirement now. And I just looked at them and I was tagged out for Tony Gear and I was like, oh yeah, this is summer retirement now. We're just going out training again. So uh, no, I don't really look back on that. You see all the stuff on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's over now and that's it. Can I just ask you as well, was there... Was there like at the start of the year had you this in your in your head that this was going to be it, or is there a, a moment in particular that you can remember where you just said, oh, maybe this is the the final year? Um, to be honest, I was probably thinking about it last year in a way, um, even last year. So, um, yeah, it was always in my mind, and just this year, then with everything through injuries and stuff like that, it just reinforced it, and and, and that was it. I, like people are at how's retirement and stuff. I don't. I don't know until Galway play next year how I'll feel. Like there's no point in saying it's it's good or it's bad. Um, until Galway hit the field next year in championship, that's when you know whether it's the the right decision or not. And that's been straight up about it. Um, yeah. you know, um, people are saying you're happy. I <laughs> still the same as I was. So uh, happy enough. Yeah. Was there a case last year at the end of the Limerick game, Joe, as well, where I presume if if you had any thoughts of retiring at the end of that year having, you know, been carted off in Crow Park is not how you, I'm sure you wanted to see your last action in Wake Galway. Is that one of the reasons why maybe that you stayed on again, even this year? Uh, it wasn't really dangerous. more the fact that, like, we, we went toe-to-toe with Limerick last year and lost by three points in, in, like, we were level on 72 minutes, I think it was. And we made a lot of unforced errors and a lot of mistakes in the game. So, like, half of me was thinking, like, geez, imagine if we just didn't make as many mistakes. Who knows? We could have beaten them. So, um, you know, that, that kind of, that's always in the back of your head that you love another crack off the likes of Limerick and, and the best, but it wasn't to be. And then, um, just with the way this year went, yeah, that was, that was it, you know. And you'd always like your own 
dreams in your head to go out in a high in, uh, in All-Ireland or something like that, but um, that's just the way it goes, you know? Yeah, interesting you say you kind of won't know how you'll feel about retirement until next year when Galway, you take the field. Is there any part of you that is uh, a little worried or, or slightly concerned about you know how you will fill the void of you know no more Galway hurling? You know, Obviously, you love playing with your club, but any part of you a little even intrigued to see how that will feel when, when, when it does kind of come back? Uh, at the moment, no. Um, I just want to play with my club and play as much golf as I can. Um, <laughs> that's that's the big thing, and and like just do kind of normal things that I probably wasn't able to do for the last 15, 17 years. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to getting back with the club and playing as much golf as I can. How important, yeah. Joe, is that? Uh, Portumna is obviously you know where you developed, where you learned everything, where you you know trained and played matches and won All-Irelands with your brothers growing up how important is it having like you're naturally going to be away for so long when you're a county player how important that even and even how last year finished up with the club how important is it that you you know give as much as you have back to the club now for the next few years yeah it's it's huge like there was a lot made out of us going out of senior aid last year but it's uh, I don't think people realise that you can still qualify for uh, you can still win the championship from senior B um, six teams out of senior B and six teams out of senior A qualify for the knockout stages so um, it's not really any difference um, being in senior B than being in senior A in Galway which is which is a funny championship to be straight up about it but that's for another day <laughs> you're um, not going to complain at the moment anyway <laughs> no it, it's it, you can actually get a lot further from senior B than you can from senior A um, it's like being in the old know, division 1B times. in the league isn't it yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's it's a strange, strange um, one to get your head around if you're not from Galway and you haven't been in it. So, no, it's grand. We have a lot of young guys. Um, like a lot of our guys are 19, 20, 21 years of age. And then there's a couple of guys my age, maybe two or three of us that are around the 30 age mark. So um, if we can kind of bring on those kind of 21, 22, guys, 22 year olds for the next couple of years until they get to, mid 20s then you know that's there'll be other guys then coming on underage um so yeah go back and train a few underage teams as well in the club as well if i can um if they want me to give a handout so that sort of stuff is is always important and um it's something that i'll try to do as long as i can anyway and if you find that your body is feeling good and your form is still as it is, would you, like would you open the door on coming back at any stage even like in a year or two years or three years who would who would go away? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, no, 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 no. That's it now. Um I'm very um if people know me kind of personally, I'm 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 stubborn enough in don't know stubborn, but I kind of if I say something, that's it. Um that's that's the way it is. There's no there's no return for me, I'm afraid. Um that's that's the way it is. Yeah, and I, I, it was interesting when you said that you haven't looked back or it's not really your style because I've heard you say that a few times in various interviews. Why, why do you think that is? That, I suppose, you know, you're, you don't really like kind of looking back or, you know, looking at all the, you know, praise coming in for you. Does it just make you a little kind of uncomfortable reading it about yourself or, or why do you think that, that is? Uh, one part of it is, yeah, uncomfortable. Um, another part of it is... Um, I, I'm a bit weird with kind of social media and stuff like that. Like you have people tweeting about putting out videos and saying what a great career, but is it really 
to say I have a great career? Is it to get a couple of likes for yourself on your own page? Do you know that kind of way? Um, I find that really funny. Um, I've said it before that I think more about a person that it, it texts me or ring me up um, rather than tweet about my retirement, to be honest. Um, but it's the kind of world we live in that if you don't tweet or about something, people will be wondering, oh, geez, why didn't he tweet him? Did they not get on or something like that? I don't know. But um, yeah, I feel uncomfortable with them kind of things. Therefore, um, maybe in 20 years' time, when I'm kind of, I was there, my dad and my uncle there the other day on Sunday. It's um, my dad's birthday um, next week. So he, we had a few drinks together and we were just talking about when they were hurling back in the day and stuff like that. So when I'm 76 in whatever amount of years, um, that's when I look back on those things and kind of reminisce and stuff with maybe, you never know, my nephews or, or my sons or whatever it is, you know, hopefully in years to come. So um, I'll enjoy it that time. But when I'm still playing club and stuff like that, you have to be still in the moment of these things. It's yeah. hard with Joe as well that you can't really pat yourself on the back while you're still playing. Like, like you just can't. Like It's kind of nearly a weak mindset almost as well because the complacency probably sets in probably too then. Uh, it depends on your, your personality more so than that. And like people, some people kind of love the attention um, that's put upon them when they retire as well. And then that's, that's their own personality. And that's your kind of, who knows, like I've said it, that I hope I don't become a, an expert on, on hurling or football or soccer or whatever it is through Twitter, because you've often seen guys that have retired over the past number of years that comment on everything now on, on Twitter. Um, and you're kind of going, are they missing the buzz or are they missing the attention of being an inter-county player and trying to fill it in a different way maybe to try and still stay relevant? But everybody's, um, I suppose, they're, is different in a way in how they want to fill things. And uh, I'd be happy enough to just play away with the club, as, as I said, and play a bit of golf and stay as low-key as possible. Yeah, it was interesting because you mentioned, you know, when you said play, you'd like to play a bit of golf now, and you, you mentioned you'd like to do kind of more normal things. Like, is that what you kind of want a more of a normal life than what you maybe had in the spotlight? Because obviously from such a young age, everyone knowing you in your local area, are you hoping for maybe a more, as you say, low-key or, or normal life now? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that's that's the plan anyway. Like, uh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going up to play Pro-Am tomorrow and Donegal and stuff like that that, you know, you wouldn't get to do any if you were still playing inter-county or whatever. So um, stuff like that that I kind of hopefully I'll get to do or, or, you know, even go on holidays and stuff like that. I'm away on holidays now for the next couple of week and a half or whatever. So stuff like that that you normally don't get to do. Um so uh, hopefully that bit of normality anyway, yeah. And you mentioned you, you may be helping out with some teams at the club. Like, would you like to get into to management generally or, or coaching? Is that like even at a, at a higher level than that? Like, you know, inter-county level potentially one day? Have you thought anything about that? Uh, no, no, that's uh, underage with Portumna. That'll be, that'll be it. Um, no, it's like that might change in years to come, but at the moment, I, I don't think I'd be a good um, coach or manager for senior. Um, senior or like a bit higher up, I think I'd be better around uh, the young guys in the maybe under 14s, under 12 or something like that. Um, 
yeah, I'd I'd expect kind of high standards through from senior players and full grown adults um, that you wouldn't expect from kids. So um, I'd be probably a little bit uh, more laid back training the kids than I would be at a senior level. So um, yeah, I I'd, I'd have no interest in training any like senior teams or or anything like that at the moment. Anyway. Can I just ask you, Joe? Was there? Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy your intercounty career? Were there parts of it that you didn't enjoy, or is it was it generally a really enjoyable experience? Yeah, no, it was like probably ninety percent of the time it was enjoyable. Like um, there was times when obviously everybody can't enjoy it fully. Do you know what I mean? There's no point in saying that it was the best years of my life. It was in a way. It was ninety percent of the time, but. Um. Yeah, it was like looking back. I just like I've won everything that there has to be won. Um. The only thing I don't have is a, a I think an under fourteen All Ireland. Um. Not bad complaint. No fairness. So like uh, everything else that I could have won, I've I've done it. Um. So yeah, when you when you look at those kind of things, you kind of go what's not to enjoy you know um but yeah the pressures and stuff like that of always having to perform on the day that's one thing that i i won't miss um that's one thing that i'm, I'm glad to see the end of was that yeah. a weight? was that a weight at times joe like there were there times where that felt like a burden almost oh yeah 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 that was that was huge um that was a huge part, I suppose, of me. I never really like. I don't know if I gave it off or whatever, but um, because I'd be pretty laid back. But like, yeah, that was that was always in in my mind, I suppose. Um, always in the back of my mind. It wasn't like overwhelming or anything like that. I I learned to deal with it because it was from a young enough age, from fifteen, sixteen years of age, that I had that. So, um, yeah, I kind of learned how to deal with it. But then, like when some other stuff um, was hard enough to deal with at times, but that's just part and parcel of, of, of GA and, and kind of the social media world more so in the last number of years than it was at this, probably the start. It was probably easier to deal with it at the start than it was in the last number of years. You know? did, did any part of you ever want to be maybe slightly less good at hurling in a way or slightly so you wouldn't have such a high profile so the pressure wouldn't maybe be as great to be like still an inter-county player and be a good player but maybe not be the main man did, did that ever cross your mind? Um, no because it was still like uh, there was still the opinion that some people thought I was good some people thought I was shit so um that's that's everybody's opinion, do you know what I mean? So no, I'd never change what because I worked hard at it, you know. It wasn't as if it was just given to me um um and I didn't have to work at these things. I, I worked my arse off at, at trying to be the best I could be for, for so long. So um no, I wouldn't change it. Can I just ask you on that, Joe? Uh, a lot of people see, you know, line balls flying over from 80 yards and people are nearly and I know you said earlier on this year. Like not everybody can, you know, pull over a free from hundred yards. How much work would you have put in, even at at a younger age? Or how, like, did you sustain like a serious level of, you know, practicing these things the whole way throughout your career? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Like, uh, it might sound a bit strange, but like, 
I, I probably practiced more when I was a kid than I do when I was a senior uh, outside of training. Um, those two, I probably practiced the routine that I haven't changed for, like I've the same routine since I was probably 15, 16 years of age that I haven't really changed um, at all really for any like sideline or freeze. So um, I think once you trust your routine, that's nine tenths of the law um, and being comfortable with, with that because like I do see even Patrick Horgan now taking a free, like, and if I try to take a free, I don't know, one day down the pitch, like he rides the ball and he's still looking at the goals. And I'm like, I don't, when I look back, the ball has gone off the hurl and I'm like, how does he do it? You know? So, but that's his routine. You know what I mean? And he's, he's hitting free since I played against him under 16, all Ireland. I remember Aramon co-op back in the day. Um, we played them in a, 16th final and we beat them in the replay and Hoggy was playing that day and he was still the same as he is now taking threes almost so um, I think if you look at anybody they've they've got a routine when they were young and they stuck with it as much as possible and it's like second nature to you then almost and you don't have to I suppose practice as much when you get older as you did when you were younger trying to perfect that you know in a way that is comfortable for you if you know yeah. what I mean no I know what you mean last one for like me I'm, Joe just wondering is there any um, if you could go back and relive any one performance or any one day uh, throughout your your county career what would it be um, probably 18 probably that last three in 18 yeah probably Strike a little bit easier or something, yeah, yeah. Just That's a bit forced, still, kind of, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've spoken about it. I tried to hit it too hard, and I kind of miss hit it a little bit. Um, That's one, or or else, like I think back, maybe if I played it short and got the pass back, but that's one that um, I'm reminded of nearly. If I meet somebody new from Limerick down here now, every time a new person I meet, they remind me of that. So that's one that I'd love to uh, relive and hopefully have a different outcome of it. But um, it's funny you should say that. Cause, because, yeah, I thought you were going to. I I immediately thought uh, happy memories. I was thought you were going to say 2017, but I suppose that's the competitor in you. That it's probably the one that got away that would uh, that you'd remember most almost. Yeah, that's like happy memories why you like I wouldn't you know I'd rather have more happy memories you know that kind of way and you change something that was bad um, but that's one definitely that I think got away from us we just didn't perform in the day and made a lot of mistakes for their goals like all their goals was nearly our unforced errors so that was a kind of a hard one to take and it's probably the hardest one still Maybe just last question before we let you go. Just the prediction then for, for Sunday, Limerick versus Cork. Who do you, who do you think will come out on top? Um, I think all the pressure, to be honest, is on Limerick. I think like all the talk down here, anyways, of being one of the one of the greatest teams um, to play the game, and like like the likes of Kilkenny that was going for you know the five in a row or whatever a couple of years ago. So um, if they don't win. It's two All-Irelands in four years, so it's kind of a few questions. If they do win, they could win three or four in a row. Do you know what I mean? Um, Cork have no... 
they've no like they can just go in and hurl away like and even in this year's Munster Championship Hoggy had a penalty to go I think five or six points up early on and they missed it and then Limerick got two goals just before half time like that if they got that goal and didn't concede those two it could have been a different different kind of a game um, be interesting I, I'm going to find it interesting how Cork set up on their backs uh, like Robert Downey had a brilliant game I actually thought he was brilliant the last day at full back but against Limerick I think he'd be better suited in the half back line um, because the reason is I, I don't think Limerick are going to hit in high ball like Kilkenny did and Robert Downey is very good in the air um, and his best work was done in the air the last day I thought um, and with I don't know if Jerry Miller could be playing um, I don't know do you know is no he, I don't think so it's not looking like yeah. him, no. No. so like he's going to be a big loss he's kind of a man marker more so than Anton um, and then who do you play either wing back or, or full back um, I'd put in Sean O'Leary Hayes I think he's a serious player I think he'd suit full back on Aaron Galan or whoever he'd be fast he'd be tight because you wouldn't want to worry about high, I don't think Limerick are going to bombard them with high balls going in I think they'll be playing low into the corners cross field and if you have guys with pace um, you nearly need bigger guys in their half back line for puck outs and stuff like that so um, I think Limerick probably have just enough I think it, as I said at the start I talked to Kenny there just because I thought Cork might need another year um, but I think Limerick by two or three points, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Cork, Cork win it. Based on how deeply uh, you gave an answer there, I, I, I think your inter-county management or coaching thing could change in time. You never know. <laughs> well, that's that, no, but that's that's just reading the game. Um, like, if you just look at it, it's it's pretty easy to kind of come up with that sort of stuff. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, you look at Billy Ryan had a good first half the last day, but he was getting low ball into the corners on, on Robert Downey. And, and that's not no reflect, bad reflection on Robert Downey. I think, I actually said it to a few, I thought he was actually Cork's best defender. But I just think Limerick won't play into his hands by hitting high ball in. Mm. Um, that's just an opinion. And I hope I'm proved wrong. Um I hope I'm proved wrong, but that's just an opinion. You know, I think I think he's a great hurler, uh, but I don't think Limerick could be playing to his strengths. I think they'll play to their strengths and hit balls into the corner. Well, if we don't get you an intercounty manager, maybe on the Sunday game instead to give some of your tactical <laughs> analysis uh, in the years to come, potentially. But, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it and enjoy the game. Cheers. Thanks, guys. All the best. That's all we have time on the throw-ins. All-Ireland Hurling Final Preview in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next Monday with another podcast reviewing the big game between Cork and Limerick. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.